0: Welcome to Super Duper the podcast about the science of the strange. Uh, If you're a first time listener, this is a show where we talk about spooky, unexplained, and otherwise weird phenomena and try to explain them through a scientific lens whenever possible. I'm Jake. And again, if you're a first time listener, I would normally be joined by my co-host, Wyatt. We're now in the second episode of our yearly mini-series, August, around the world. Okay, it's not, it's not the same without him. We're two weeks in, and it seems like something's already gone wrong. Uh, Wyatt and I began last week with a stop in Hungary, and I told him to meet me this week in British Columbia. But it's been a while, and I still don't see him. Um. Uh, okay, that's it. I'm calling him.
1: Jake, where are you, man?
0: I'm where I said I was gonna be. Where are you?
1: I am in the British Quadrant of Columbia, as you said.
0: Oh shit. I should have realized when I specifically said no follow up questions.
1: It is hot as hell, my man. Where are you though? Are you on this uh I kind of it was it was kinda of crazy. The guy had a wooden plane. <laughs> That he flew, and I'm pretty sure he died when he landed it. Uh, How could you tell?
0: I am not dead. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. How could you tell he died? Uh,
1: He crashed. He crashed the
0: plane.
1: Um, he crashed the plane. Well so, thankfully, it is made of wood. So I just kind of pried it open.
0: Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're okay. I was...
1: inside. He had sunglasses on and he had a backwards hat on. Interesting. And he was a giant monkey.
0: <laughs> this could have gone worse. I think I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I'm glad you're okay. However, there's a problem. Uh, I'm in Canada. What? yeah, the province of British Columbia.
1: It's pronounced Provence.
0: Ah. I wonder if that was part of the problem. I'm not sure. But you have in your luggage the NCAA device. I do. And all we right. have some patrons to thank.
1: All right. Here, one sec. Let me... Um, damn. I'm sorry that I'm out there. My bad. That's
0: all right. It's um, a, 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 an honest mistake, I think. I I blame myself for this one.
1: Do you mind if I send you like a Venmo request? Because that ticket was not cheap.
0: Yeah, well, that's what the, we're thanking our patrons for their support. That's what it covers is our travel expenses
1: the pilot demanded payment in 5,000 bananas hmm. which actually costs more than <laughs> you would think yeah uh, okay let me start unzipping
0: I forgot the bag you store this in
1: <laughs> I actually got a bigger bag
0: well that's good I, th- I guess
1: okay that's the outer part now I'm gonna get the <laughs> get the keys out here there we go. Ah, uh, the fifth lock finally opened. Great. <laughs> and there it is, the bag in which I have the NCAA device, which I'll just unfold. Now. Okay.
0: <laughs> Certainly no uh, no one's waiting for this episode to happen. I, I, I'm, yeah.
1: Okay, here it is. It's out. And uh, I guess... I'll plug
0: both of these into my own head? No, we, we've talked about this before, how this could happen in an emergency. You plug one in, and I have this cell phone adapter plugged it at the bottom of my iPhone oh, here. Oh, thank God. The adapter's this- in the bag, too, right? You can plug my core into your phone, so...
1: Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Here we go. Your adapter's in.
0: All right. Now we're plugging in. There we go.
1: Wow, this thing is draining my battery
0: real quick. That is gonna happen. But don't worry, it will start to you'll see it start to fill back up again, but that's coming out of you. Oh, look at that! Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, the NCAA device is a machine, an arcane computer. We summoned slash built or something a few years ago. It's uh, its name makes sense about once a year, tops. But it also has an important function on it, the pander function, the patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk, which is a thing we use to calculate in the dark ether what different monsters, creatures, cryptids, creepy crawlies, all of our Patreon patrons need to individually look out for. It's it's us looking out for them. They've looked out for us. It's a great kind of deal, I think. What was that, Jake? (laughs) Anyway, fuck. we're going to focus in on Kitty, Katie. a.k.a. Sauce from Beaverton, Beaverton Oregon. Oregon. Katie, you best watch your butt for Gilioli. Uh-oh, oh, we've we already heard done this Gilioli's one. Gilioli's, Gilioli's whale. whale. Wow. It's a reported species of whale observed by Enrico Gilioli. So, that is uh, the second time this whale has been a danger. That means this is a more dangerous whale than we realize.
1: Although, you may have been missorted sorted into uh, the Giggly Whale from Rhinoceros Dolphin.
0: Yeah, that sometimes comes up, Rhinoceros Dolphin. Let's just check to make sure that isn't the actual thing you should be watching. out. Ooh, this... <laughs> this actually is the thing I think you're supposed to watch out for. Oh, dear. It's an unrecognized species of dolphin said to have two dorsal fins... Mm-hmm. And it does look like shit. Now, off the coast of the Sandwich Islands and New South Wales, Jean-Ren, Jean-Ren, jean Qua, and Joseph Gamard, uh, allegedly, dis- file. yeah, it's a, it's a problem. Allegedly discovered a new type of dolphin.
1: They he described it as Delphinus rhinoceros, dolphin-like whales as uh, Jake has mentioned, possess two dorsal fins, so just avoid sea
0: creatures. We've been kind of programmed from cultural stuff to worry if we're swimming in the ocean, especially when we're off the Sandwich Islands, to be scared if we see like a a dorsal fin coming at us through the water. Now, here's the deal. If you see one dorsal fin, that's actually a good sign. It's not the rhinoceros dolphin. If you see two dorsal fins, that's when you got to worry. So, Watch if out we're for those.
1: Orcas, great white sharks, anything like this, you are fine. Yes,
0: that is not what the NCAA is saying to worry about. It's instead saying to look out for the rhinoceros dolphin. So, yes, keep an eye out for that. And thank and you thank so you very, much. very much for your support. We appreciate it very much. All right, now we're going to focus in on Emily, Emily K. of Spokane, Washington. Washington. Oh, we got some Pacific Northwest. I'm... Funnily enough, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, so are they. What are the chances of that? Uh, You're where? Yeah. Look out for... Lusca. It is a name given to a sea monster reported... Lusca? Maybe Lusca. It's reported in the Caribbean. It has been suggested by cryptozoologists that the Lusca is a gigantic octopus, far larger than the known giant octopuses of the genus... Enter octopus and huh. giant squids. The legend also said that it was a half shark and half octopus.
1: Or sharktopus, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a movie. Um, do look out for Luska in the Bahamas. So maybe avoid going on vacation there. Based on some knowledge of octopus morphology, local fishermen estimated the total size of this creature when living to be some 20 to 30 feet which is big, but
0: not enormous. But it's said to have grown to over 75 feet or even 200 feet in other cases. So that is pretty big. My goodness. I mean, obviously people love the tropics. Great vacation spot. If you really want to go to the Bahamas, you just got to make sure to watch Sharktopus first. And that is a cautionary tale that specifically applies to you. And uh, you should be safe after that, you know? It could also be a multi-headed monster, a dragon-like creature or some kind of evil spirit. I so, there's some things to keep an eye out for, but we think it will be fine. And You'll be fine. Thank you so much for your support on Patreon. We really
1: do appreciate it yes.
0: very much. We appreciate any support on Patreon. It's hugely helpful to making the show even possible. Uh, it We really couldn't have gone this far without the very kind, generous support we've gotten on there. And there's some great stuff we'll give you in return. In addition to calculating your creature you personally had to look out for, for just $5 a month, you can also get uh, monthly bonus outtakes, which I curate from all the previous episodes of the month prior. Uh, bonus mini we crank out pretty much every week, as often as we can. Oh, yeah. There's a very goofy stuff happening there. Very great stuff. The whole catalog of those you can get into right away. Discord access. Become part of the whole super duper SuperDuperSigious community. Very fun. Some very sweet, wonderful people there. And you also get a Belgian beer glass. If you're one of the first 100 patrons, you get it as fast as I can ship it. If you're over 100 then uh you gotta wait a year as an anniversary gift you get that glass but if you do the we also have the uh the discounted annual subscription rate on patreon you can get what i think it's uh 12 months for the cost of 10 months and if you do that you get the glass right away good option
1: no this is this is my only bag
0: oh i think okay sounds like
1: yeah no 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 no
0: why i think we should unplug this thing
1: no i need to unplug me Hey, Jake, are you still there,
0: man? Yeah, I'm going to unplug. We should have plugged the same time, though, for safety. All right, oh, one, okay. one two, two, three. Okay, All there right. we go. Cool, cool, cool. Nice.
1: Yeah, one sec, one sec. No, no, I only brought this device.
0: Ooh, I should have realized customs at some point would be a problem with the NCAA. It is not subtle.
1: Jake, really want the device.
0: Shoot, he's going to have to activate that thing's defense protocols. All right, why do you see the blue button on the bottom left?
1: It says push me.
0: Yeah do that
1: okay
0: okay that should have hopefully taken care of the problem i think that we did lose the call though um we will worry about the legal and moral ramifications of what just happened later i'm glad i was able to catch why i'm glad he was safe i guess i'll catch up with him next week i'll just shoot him a text real quick i don't know when he'll get this um meet me in caribbean watch out luska send heart emoji heart emoji eggplant emoji send all right i'll catch up with them next week uh for now i guess i'll do the episode uh yeah like i said i'm in british columbia this week but eagle-eared listeners will recognize that we've already covered canada in a previous august episode the reason for this visit is actually to meet up with friend of the show Cece, who has been working on a project that i think you'll agree is highly relevant to our seasonal proceedings oh i think i see her Ooh, uh, one, one last thing before we get started. Cece mentioned that she has this thing where sometimes when you meet up with her in person, her voice sounds like a Zoom call. I don't want her to feel self-conscious about it, so let's let's not bring it up. Oh, here she comes.
2: Hey, how's it going? Hey,
0: good. How are you doing?
2: I can't believe you're here. I
0: know. A lot of travel only in the month of August, and it allows me to end up here. <laughs> are you excited? I am excited. How how about you? So Cece, you are Cece. Hello, Say hello to the listeners. Hello. Yeah, I'm ready to do some some more uh, August around around the the world world, uh, with you. And without why he fucked up. That doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, well, it's on him. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you sure that's what you're going to wear to Taipei? Because it's 27 degrees right now and it's like 90% humidity. 27 Celsius.
0: Oh, so I should take off the coat because 27 degrees fahrenheit is a different thing that's below freezing yeah. uh yeah. yeah i mean i got layers i can take some off I, this should work out fine
2: okay just so you know we're gonna be walking around we're gonna be eating a lot you'll probably end up gaining 15 pounds but you'll sweat it out before we get back to north america sounds good perfect all right
0: tell the folks a little bit about yourself
2: my name is cc i'm long listener first time podcast guest and uh i am taiwanese which is something that you guys might find out pretty soon.
0: Now, as I understand, the reason that you invited me out here to meet you here in British Columbia to go to Taiwan is because over the past few months, you have had some downtime after doing a lot of uh, great frontline work during the whole COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, And since then, you've developed a teleportation device. Is that correct?
2: I did, yes. It's something I've been working on for the past 30 years or so.
0: Great. So I'm glad you finished it in the specific window that you did. It works out great for us now. So uh, how do we work this thing? What do I need to do?
2: Oh, uh, you just literally press that big red button. I've set everything else. uh, I've set up everything else correctly, you know, the location and the time and date. So do you want to do the honors?
0: Sure. All right. I'm pressing the big red button. I have pressed the big red button. Wow, that worked really seamlessly.
2: Yeah, feels like you're walking into a wall of heat, doesn't it? Isn't it lovely?
0: Yeah, humidity is a good thing. Uh, but yeah, cool. To I always love this part of August around the world uh, it is going around the world. and seeing different stuff. So it's warm. This is cool. Uh, Taiwan, now you are the expert on where we are now. Anything you'd like to share about about the location?
2: I'm in t- indeed I am. I have five doctorates on <laughs> Taiwanese politics. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, only, only three. So Taiwan, yeah, just three, is a country, sort of. Where do I start? So Taiwan is a very, very small island. On the right-hand side, I guess the east coast of China, you can see it. It's about the size of Vancouver Island. For those of you that want a North American reference, there's about 23 million people on the island, and that's the size of about two Israel's or two Switzerland's, however you want to look at it. And uh, yeah, it's got a very, very old history in terms of uh, being populated by human beings. Let me just go through that with you uh, just a little bit, so you have a rough idea, because the stories I am going to tell has a lot to do with the history. So the context needs to be better. Cool. So the, there's about 40 indigenous groups that were the original inhabitants of the island and they're called Austronesian peoples. So some of the other places they lived in, so, you know, Polynesia, Southeast Asia, places like that. Um, they arrived to the island around 15,000 years ago. So that's a suggestion that they, were, they used stone tools and they were there around the Ice Age. And thereafter, there's been a lot of colonization. We were colonized by the Dutch and the Dutch East India Company, which is something that is uh, quite famous throughout the world. They had rice and sugar plantations. They took land and they had slave labor. The Spanish came in a few years later, but the Dutch kicked them out. And then the Chinese came and it was um, they've been going to Taiwan since the 1500s, like uh, merchants, fishermen, pirates, things like that. So, you know, we've been there for quite a while. Um, Japanese invaded us uh, between 1895 to 1945. So the end of Second World War and uh, Taiwan was a, quote unquote, model colony for the Japanese. So it's basically like a social experiment where they want to create the perfect Japanese society. And they used us as guinea pigs, uh, which Lovely. you know resulted in a lot of atrocities. Uh, it also resulted in a mix of cultures. So Taiwanese culture is not just Chinese. There is a lot of aspects of um, Japanese culture as well. A little bit of Dutch and Spanish, but not so much. More recent history is um has to do with the republic of china which is very different from the ccp the um chinese communist party Mm -hmm. uh so in 1912 so they're due two different systems of government so in 1912 the republic nationalist government basically was founded in china and um In 1945, the Chinese government, the Nationalist government of China, began to exercise jurisdiction over Taiwan because Japan surrendered, so we actually got the island back. 1949, because of the civil war between the Nationalist government and the Communist government, there was a max exodus of uh, the Nationalist government to Taiwan because they were basically basically losing. And they were followed by around 1.2 million refugees from Taiwan, because if they stayed behind, they would have been destroyed by the Cultural Revolution. They had no other, they had no other choice, really. It was leave or die. It's just, you know, die this way or possibly die the other way. It was, you know, Taiwan was very poor for a very, very long time. And there were a lot of people that had nothing. They had the, Because when they escaped, they had the clothes on their backs. They couldn't tell their families where they were going because there a lot of them were soldiers. So they weren't allowed to say that, and they spent the rest of their lives alone with nothing. Jeez. With very minimal uh, government support as well because full democracy happened very recently in the 1980s. Before that, it was martial law. John Gaishek, which is the head of state, he was the one that, you know, escaped to Taiwan. He was, uh, he was not a good guy. He was a totalitarian nationalist. Uh, yeah. So nobody really liked him and martial law was only dissolved around the mid 1980s. Another political thing I just want to mention, and then we're done is that there are a lot of recent conflicts and news, news stories about, what's going on between Taiwan and China. Mm -hmm. So it's very concerning to me because we don't really have military might. We can't fight against China and nobody really likes to come out and say that we're a country. I'll give you an example. When I went to China to visit my grandparents on the Chinese visa, it wants to know what what my city and country is, where I was born. Mm -hmm. I put in Taipei, Taiwan, because that's what the Canadian passport says. And they said, no, you have to put in Taiwan. China, because we don't recognize Taiwan as a country.
0: Jeez. Uh,
2: because, you know, they want like the one China thing because they're like, oh, you're a renegade province. We're going to come and take you back, kind of deal. So, yeah, mm-hmm. there's that. We have applied for UN representation 15 times and were rejected all 15 times because China is a permanent member of uh, the UN Security Council. The WHO also does not want to admit us, uh, let's see. Oh, let's do Taiwan's claim to fame. Hopefully, you guys all know that um, the most important life changing invention that has ever come out of Taiwan is bubble tea. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, let's uh, review some of the other things that Taiwanese people have invented. So. The material used to make N95 masks, we made that. Automatic flush toilets, Mongolian barbecue, General Tso's chicken, cat cafes, and USB flash drives. Oh, also instant noodles. A lot of people think it's a Japanese invention. It's not. It's invented by a Taiwanese guy that just happened to live in Japan.
1: Uh-huh. So
2: yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I also just wanted to let people know know that in 2019, Taiwan put into law um, that same-sex unions are legal, and it's the only country in Asia to do so. So if you're, you know, LGBT and you want to go somewhere, check out Taiwan. Nice. There was one more thing. Right. Um, Because Taiwan manufactures about 50% of the world's semiconductors, if we get attacked, the rest of the world... uh, yeah, good luck uh, running the rest, of the rest of the world, so we'll see how that goes. And that's my rant. Thank you very much for listening to me.
0: As I understand it, semiconductors are kind of important for computers, right?
2: A little bit, yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much for the introduction, for all of that very, very useful information for a lot of us, I guarantee. Um, this is an odd-numbered episode. Normally, that would mean why it would go first, why it is not here. So, we have... The choice would you like to share your stories first or would you like me to go first
2: uh you please
0: okay can do so i have a series of random creature sightings in taiwan from the recent past i'll include some kind of imagery to accompany them so i um i've tried to order them in terms of increasing strangeness and then i'll share the different visuals that go with those so first up is a little something from the taipei times from june of 2015. A group of tourists on Green Island were shocked to see a walking doll's head on a beach, with some of them saying that it was a ghost head moving, according to their guide. A bed and breakfast operator nicknamed Shu, which I guess translates to monster. Uh, Guai means ghost, is that right?
2: It's pronounced Guaishou.
0: Guaishou. Yeah, Guaishou. Thank you. Uh, he said on Monday that a group he was leading on an ecological tour of Haishenping Bay on sunday came across a hermit crab that had appropriated a discarded doll's head as its home so let me show you an image of what that looked like
2: nope that's a big note for me
0: (laughs) it's coming here it is
2: why why (laughs) why would you do this to me jake
0: you knew what this show was before you agreed to be on it
2: fine (laughs) i concede
0: (laughs) So uh, some in the group thought it was funny, but others felt sad after I explained to them why it had come to that, Guaisho said. Hermit crabs normally try to find seashells, which are made by snails, to use as protection against predators, but this crab, about as large as a man's fist, apparently could not find a proper home on the garbage strewn beach and was making do with the doll's head, he said. Green Island residents said that seashells on the beach are becoming scarcer as more tourists visit the island of Taitung County and take home shells as souvenirs. The visitors also leave behind a lot of garbage, forcing hermit crabs to find alternatives for their normal shells, including hoses and wine glasses. Guai Shou said people should not be surprised to see hermit crabs wearing odd guises. Quote, if you sympathize with their plight, then do not pick up shells on the beach and more importantly, do not litter. So there's the first critter story I have found uh, for the day. It's uh, also a good environmental story as well. Be uh, yeah. Be good with the beaches and stuff, guys. It's a uh, you never know. There's I I, I was looking at other um, looking for other pictures of I saw like the wine glass thing. I wanted to see if I could find a picture of a hermit crab in a wine glass. I ended up finding instead hermit crabs like people keep them as pets. Hermit crabs in blown glass uh, shells made specifically for them, so they are. Oh, I've shaped-
2: seen those. They're so cool. It's pretty
0: neat, and you can just see the whole crab inside. Uh, but then there was like a listicle about like, Oh, look at these like nine hilarious pictures of crabs inside of trash. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's funny about crabs having to live in trash. It's pretty terrible.
2: Uh, do you, do you want to tell our listeners about the, uh, hermit crabs swapping home situation?
0: Sure. So as hermit crabs, uh, get bigger over time, they eventually need to get a new shell to live inside of. And, uh, so, uh, as, my, as I understand it anyway, if there are multiple living together, they will all get together and arrange their shells by size so they can all get out and then find the next size up that fits them, which is just pretty adorable. Uh, next, I have something reported by the Central News Agency from February of this year, 2022, for folks listening in the distant future. Uh, Lai Young Lee, a paddleboard coach, led tourists on a tour of Sun Moon Lake and encountered a creature over two meters long. He posted the video on Facebook, and some netizens commented that there was a water monster in Sun Moon Lake. So first up, I'll show you a photo of what he saw. Uh, There are a number of sites with images of the creature, but I want with the one that has the all-important big red circle that you always want to see in sightings, uh, (laughs) images.
2: That looks like a shark. Kind of. Or like a cartilaginous fish.
0: It does look like that, yeah. Yeah. So let me dig a little deeper into uh, what they had to say about it. Um, rather than a monster, the Sun Moon Lake District Fisheries Association less excitingly believes that it may be an exotic species of broad fin eel. So Lai Young Lee, who filmed the water monster video, said in an interview with a reporter from the Central News Agency that around 6 a.m. on February 9th, when he was leading guests on a tour of the lake, he found a big fish swimming up from the bottom of the water and approaching the surface. He hurriedly, hurriedly paddled over and surprised to see someone approaching, the big creature swam to the bottom again. Then he witnessed the big fish swing up and down for about a minute, but the video shot was only a few seconds long. La Yongli Lee said that when the big fish was closest to him, it was about half the length of the surfboard. While the longboard was three meters long, so the length of the big fish was at least two meters long. Because as we know, three divided by two is two. (laughs) A staff member at the Sun Moon Lake District Fisheries Association told the Central News Agency that the big fish in the film may be a wide-finned eel from Australia. So this is a species of eel mostly found in Australia, New Guinea, and islands east of there. And um, they're ones that live primarily in freshwater lakes and rivers and stuff, but they also breed in the deep ocean, so they can kind of go wherever. Since the wide-finned eel will eat fish and tiger juveniles, the fish and tiger have been multiplying in Sun Moon Lake in recent years. Wait,
2: they would eat juvenile tigers?
0: So this is the part I need help with the translation from you. It says uh, people have... uh, I'll I'll show you in a second what it says. Um, So since... Uh, they've been multiplying. So the fish and tigers have been multiplying in Sun Moon Lake in recent years. And some people have, may have deliberately. I didn't know
2: there were tigers in Taiwan. <laughs> I don't
0: think that's right. So yeah, I was guessing maybe it's a kind of fish. <laughs> this is what the article originally said. The translation I got, I think, may not have been accurate.
2: Yeah. Um. Let's say they eat baby tigers. I, I can't figure
0: out what, what the translation of that is. Okay, cool. So they there are tigers people keep throwing in the lake for some reason. Fish are eating them. It's good times. All right, there you have it. But uh, the wide-finned eels are, I guess, stocked in that lake. But the article is saying that more photos and videos would be needed to know the exact species from the video. But at least for now, we can look at that video, which looks like this. So there's a little guy swimming along. Look at him. Those eyes are just so goofy and cute.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, you said it does look like it could be some kind of shark type thing or something. But it does look kind of like these different types of eels that... uh, they mentioned that they do live in Australia and stuff, but I, I just love the big googly eyes it has. So there is another weird creature sighting in Taiwan. I got more, don't you worry, they're getting weirder.
2: Yes, please.
0: So next up, we're going to uh, Earth Touch News Network who reported on the following bizarre thing in August of 2017. So I'll start with the video, get your opinion on it, and then we can figure it out from there. Tell tell me what you're seeing as you see it. Uh.
2: I, I, what, what?
0: <laughs> There's some squiggling happening.
2: I, I don't, do you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of a ball of spiders.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a kind of ball situation happening. Here's what the Earth Touch News Network had to say about this. Uh, it looks like a, the strangest tangle of worms, and the sight of it certainly seems to have baffled locals in the city of Shinshu earlier this week, while also bringing us a few of the expected, it's an alien headlines. But this, quote unquote, ball of worms is not quite what it appears to be. Only a part of it is a living creature. So, commenters online initially identified the squirming mass as a group of horsehair worms, which are nematode like parasites in the phylum <whistles> Nematomorpha. Uh, But the bundle's jagged edges suggested otherwise. There were some kind of right angles happening there, right? It looked a little bit weird. The news network reached out to the University of New Mexico parasitologist Ben Hanelt, who confirmed that we're actually looking at just a single horsehair worm and no aliens at all. Uh, Quote, there is indeed one horsehair worm in that video, he says. The thickest part is the worm. It seems to be wrapped up in something else, either man-made or plant material. So whether the bulk of the tangle is made up of plastic, meshing, or some other material remains a mystery.
2: I was just going to say, Ten Bucks says it's plastic.
0: It, yeah, I mean, good guess. Anytime an animal is stuck in something, it's going to be plastic. But he said, if you look closely, you can follow the outline of the parasite's body from the upper right corner as it curls its way down to the lower left. Should we look at it again and try and figure out where the body is? Yes. Okay. So, looks like it's the thicker part. So, I'm guessing this big thick part that's kind of moving all around and then around it is yeah i guess some net or something
2: oh that makes sense you know what now that i watch it again it reminds me of those um do you know like the black plastic grid fencing kind of plastic thing
0: yeah yeah you're yeah i wonder if that's what it might have been from hard to say i don't really know where specifically this was so it's hard to know what could have been around for it to get stuck in. But uh, certainly we're looking also known as Gordian worms. These animals pose no threat to humans or pets. Instead, they develop inside the bodies of insects like grasshoppers, crickets and cockroaches and are typically found near small puddles and streams or in particularly wet areas. And while you'll often find a single parasite per host, they do occasionally emerge en masse. In Wired's Absurd Creature of the Week, Matt Simon writes, quote, The 350 or so known species invade insects after developing for several months the worms, mind control their hosts to make a suicide dive into water, and then escape through holes bored in the insect's exoskeleton. The parasites end up in a tangled knot that can be as heavy as the tattered, and oftentimes still alive, host that they leave behind. So this weird knotted birthing situation definitely explains the name Gordian worms, uh, horsehair worms, reproduce and complete their life cycle in water. So by using mind controlling chemicals to lure their hosts to lakes and streams, they get a free ride to their final destination. Uh, in the case of the lone worm in this video, the creature may have hit dry ground while attempting to free itself from entanglement or it possibly found itself stranded uh, in a dried up puddle or something. But yeah, in conclusion to this particular segment, as we so often point out on this show, being an invertebrate sucks and being an invertebrate parasite is horrifying.
2: Yeah. Reminds me of my favorite fungi, cordyceps. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they turn insects into mind the zombies and, you know, in certain situations, people as well. But for now, it's only <laughs> fictional. and Let's hope it stays that way.
0: For sure. Those became so popular and like, I feel like the late 2010s or so, people got really, or maybe even like early 2010s, people just got so suddenly found out about Cordyceps, and everyone like every single like that was back when like I fucking love science was really popular, and everyone was sharing stuff like that everywhere. Like, oh my god, this fungus does this thing to bugs, and it's it's cool as hell. But it's uh, only one of the many horrible things that control the insides of invertebrates. I mean, there's some wasps which will sting beetles in the brain, and then. They can just lead them around anywhere and then they lay their eggs inside and they eat them while they're alive yep. so now i have saved the weirdest for last it takes us right back to 2015 again this time in june TC, remind me how squeamish are you with regards to gross slime and creepy squiggly things
2: i'm more bark than bite
0: cool all right then let's go ahead and watch this video not that one we just watched that here we go so you got this fun green guy squirming along on some concrete Everyone's while sticking out a pink thing, just kind of feeling around with it.
2: Oh, I've seen this kind of worm before.
0: Isn't it neat? It's just so they weird. They
2: spit out their innards to like digest things because yeah. there's like uh, juices in those gross things.
0: So yes, you are right on the money. Uh, let me get yeah. away from here. This is um. So have uh, National Geographic has an article with answers to what this whole deal was. And I'll link to the article as I usually do. For folks who want access to the article to read it, I've mentioned before, National Geographic asks for you to give them an email address so you can subscribe before they let you see the article. Just put in no at no. no works every time. Oh shit. Yeah, it's it's great. I literally use that exact thing every single time. And it's just like, thank you. Thanks for subscribing. And it lets you read the whole thing. Oh, cool. Um, So what they have in their article, they said fishermen in Taiwan recently spotted a giant bright green worm waggling what looks like a pink tongue and posted a video of it online last week. Footage has since gone viral. Creature in question is a type of Nemertian or ribbon worm called Linnaeus fuscavoridus, says John Nuremberg, chair of invertebrate zoology at the Smithsonian's Natural History Museum in Washington, D.C. So ribbon worms are the ones you have seen before that do this thing. Uh, This harmless species ranges from Japan to the Philippines and is fairly common in tropical coastal waters. The animal in the video, quote, probably crawled out of something brought out of the water. Orberg explains like a a porous rock, a large clump of seaweed, or even an old tire. So they could just be in there waiting to squirm on out. Uh, According to John McDermott, an invertebrate zoologist at Franklin and Marshall College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the Linnaeus genus is known for its large members. A statement whose phrasing he surely had time to reconsider after hearing it out loud.
2: (laughs) I was just going (laughs) to
0: say. I remember reading that. I was like, Uh, no one's going to, they're just going to leave it like that. All right.
2: Yeah. Did you say the genus? It was Linnaeus? Yes. Interesting. What a name.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. Spelled a little bit differently from Carl. Yes. Uh, Oh, okay. It's L I N E U S. -S 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 Or maybe it's Linnaeus. Oh, okay. This type of worm could be two meters, about six feet long, he said. Like which me. Is, yeah.
2: One cc long.
0: If one cc. The cc's are either cubic centimeters or about yeah. six, six feet. Um, <laughs> and if we learned anything from the uh, first article I covered, two meters, uh, if you doubled that, you get three meters. <laughs> so anyway, there are about 1,100 species of ribbon worm in the world, and most but not all live in the ocean. And then they say, "What about the pink thing writhing around on the dock in the video? It's a proboscis, one of the defining features of this group of ribbon worms. So, pretty. I think all or almost all species of ribbon worms have this proboscis, which they have inside of them. And then they actually like they reach out with it to grab stuff and stuff. But they actually turn it inside out to get it out and around, and then suck it back in. And uh, yeah, it's what they use to capture prey. In certain species, it's sticky and will like entangle a clam or a sea slug or another worm." Other ones, they'll have, like, venom and stuff in it, so then using that, the ribbon worm can then engulf its victim whole. In some instances, Nuremberg says ribbon worms can swallow sea slugs three to four times their size. These worms are even better than pythons in this regard, which makes sense when you have no bones. Some species anesthetize their prey so that the worm can then eat the immobilized animal from the inside out. Uh, Yet another group of ribbit worms inject poison into their victims with a modified proboscis. So again, invertebrates are, scientifically speaking, fucked up little freaks. And in this case, not even particularly little, actually. Uh, As for the proboscis in the video, it was probably part of the last-ditch defense by the animal after sensing it was on dry land rather than in the ocean, says Nuremberg. This worm out of water wouldn't last long on land. They move with the help of a mucus coating, but they need seawater as a lubricant, he explains quote, the mucus on the animal in the video is drying just the way saliva dries in a person's mouth in the absence of adequate moisture. And the article just ends. So I'm guessing his point is that the worm is maybe ditching part of its proboscis to use it for more lubrication or something. I don't really know. But uh,
2: let me just uh, because it all of a sudden made me want to drink water. Okay, continue. (laughs) Okay.
0: Uh, other species of ribbon worms have far more elaborate proboscis situations from like a branched out type of fan arrangement to what I've seen described as, quote, a bunch of sticky spaghetti that he uses for killing stuff. In any case, that's that on that.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing footage of the, the fan. Thing.
0: Yeah, the, it looks so weird. Just like It just comes out of this. It, it doesn't seem like it could fit, but it just does it. And it's weird. And yeah. So that's all I've got for curious critters here in Taiwan. Before I give the floor to you, I do want to quickly remind our listeners that we are, as always, uh, brought to you by Four Phantoms Groovy Brewery in Western Massachusetts. Wyatt usually does this part of most episodes, so he has all of the good jokes and copy and stuff. I'll make it quick. It's a great little brewery in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Definitely worth visiting if you're anywhere near that part of the country. Uh, If you're in New England in general, you can also find their beer in different places. beer mongers around and uh, some upcoming cool stuff. If you are listening to this the day it comes out Thursday, August 11th 2022, there is a Trivia Night. Go in there. Do us proud with your smarty smarts. Uh, a week later, August 18th, there is another Trivia Night. This one is actually a fundraiser for Keep Our Clinics, an organization that supports independent abortion providers. So think about it. Uh, there's some taco stuff coming up Tarot reading on Saturday, August 20th We'll talk about these things as we get closer Because we're going to be talking to you as we get closer uh, That's it, I think, for now We love you, poor fans Thank you Cece, the floor is yours
2: uh, I have three stories So Two are military One's uh, uh, an elementary school Where would you like me to start? Dealer's Choice uh, School? This story, as with a lot of story, I have to kind of preface this by saying it has a lot to do with the tumultuous past of Taiwan, when it, um, specifically a lot of it has to do with uh, the Japanese colonization because it was so recent and it was so devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, let's get started. Xiao literally translates to reclaim or liberate in English. It was the name of my elementary school in Taiwan. Such patriotic themes were common back in the day when the Taiwanese saw legitimacy and international recognition separate from mainland China. Many schools and government buildings in Taiwan back then were old buildings constructed during the Japanese occupation from the 1890s to the 1940s. Fu Elementary was one of them. The oldest building at the school was a four-story circular building which was very unusual architecture for its time floors two three and four had circular open hallways wrapped around a central courtyard where one can look down to the first floor there is a large circular skylight above no teacher would admit to it but based on official government records this building was used as a prison during the Japanese occupation, mm-hmm. where torture and executions were commonplace. Prisoners hung from the central courtyard four floors up so their corpses would dangle in the structure, serving as an example to others. Jesus. I remember that the fourth floor was off limits to students. The story tells of some sixth graders who were a few years ahead of me. They snuck into the circular building one night on a Quote unquote, test of courage. It was rumored that these students found the gate to the fourth floor unlocked, mm-hmm. probably due to the janitor's forgetfulness. They climbed up the stairs to explore the fourth floor. The hallways were only lit by the moonlight through the skylight. All of the rooms seemed very old. They peeked into the rooms through the windows and found most of them contained very old Japanese furniture, including desks, chairs, and file cabinets. As they were leaving, one of the students saw something in the room and was startled. He stumbled backward and tripped over the ledge. Confused and terrified, the rest of the students ran out of the building. One of them looked into the room as he ran past it. In it, he saw decapitated heads piled on the floor and bodies clad in clothes from the early 1900s. As he ran down the stairs, he could hear crying and people yelling in Japanese behind him. What seemed like a silly dare resulted in one of the students' severe injuries after they fell over the ledge of the walkway. They later died of said injuries. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. Super fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Super fun. So you said, like, military school. I was like, oh, maybe school will be more of a kind of light opening to the yeah, section. Yeah, it's an no. elementary school, man. Yeah, yeah. Oof.
2: Um, just another thing, like a cultural thing, test the courage is basically what it is. So it it's very very popular with um kids school-age kids from east asia even like college-age kids they would go somewhere that's allegedly haunted or whatever and they Mm. would go on like a test of courage kind of like a a live action ghost hunting show but you know not with liars but with school kids. (laughs) did i say liars i mean um, entertainers right yes (laughs) (laughs) okay so the other two stories are military. However, they're both quite dark, like the first one, which is not necessarily uncommon. To me, It just it's normal to me to hear these stories, but I guess for people that are not familiar with Asian ghost stories, it seems quite heavy. So fair warning, the other two are also going to be sort of heavy and stuff. So uh, let's do... Do you want me to do both or do you want me to do you want to pick one?
0: Oh, no. Which are, you go for both of them.
2: Oh, go for both of them. Yeah. All right. Go for the gold. It is at
0: the same time. Ideally.
2: <laughs> Okie dokie. So <laughs> one with less decapitated heads. <laughs> no, you know, what? let's go with the decapitated head thing because right. why not? Sure. And then we'll, we'll do the third one later if there's time. Also, trigger warnings for sexual assault for this one. Just keep that in mind. Thank you. Uh, okay. So there is conscription in Taiwan. So the way it works is you join the military and then you have to draw a lottery on where you'll be stationed. The most undesired stations are remote islands off the west coast of Taiwan, because that is where most of the conflict starts from Mm. because it faces China. Right. And also, the Golden Stallion Award is like the Academy Award in Taiwan. So keep that in mind when I start the story. Okay. At the end of new recruit training, soldiers draw a lottery to see where they will be sent to. The most feared location is the so-called Golden Stallion Award, Jiang. It is a location where one must leave home and go to Jinmen, Mazu, and other outer islands for military service. Both Kinmen and Matsu are important strategic military positions in Taiwan. During the mid 20th century, it was also a battleground between China and Taiwan. The Matsu Islands are composed of eight main islands, plus its affiliated islands, totaling approximately 36. Among them, the northernmost Gordon Island is less than 10 kilometers away across the Taiwan Strait facing Fujian province. In that era, when the two sides of the strait were locked in conflict, there were water ghosts that attacked in the middle of the night. Mm. The so-called water ghost is a common name for amphibious reconnaissance and search troops, Ah. kind of like the Marines. It is a special force with a high degree of mobility. And in the dark and windy nights, the water ghost would ride on rubber dinghies, sneaking to each other's bases to perform assassinations, sabotage and intelligence gathering. According to legend, a team of water ghosts from China snuck onto Gordon Island one night on a mission. They were caught by 13 soldiers and a captain stationed there. One of the water ghosts was captured alive because they were too slow to get away. The soldiers eventually found out that this water ghost was a woman, which was extremely uncommon for the time. The captain rushed to the mainland overnight to report the incident to his superiors. The remaining 13 soldiers on the island, with the exception of one, decided to gang rape the female prisoner. After the assault, the soldier, who did not participate in the violence, let her go out of sympathy for her. This action caused the annihilation of his entire unit. The next night, the female water ghost snuck onto Gordon Island again, this time with eight of her colleagues. That night, all of the soldiers were assassinated by water ghosts and their heads were placed on the stairs of the outpost from top to bottom, according to their rank. Only the soldier who let her go survived. His ear was cut off and brought back to China as an indication that the water ghosts have completed their mission. Later on, many soldiers who were stationed on Gordon Island encountered horrific faces floating out of those stairs from underneath their feet. There weren't even soldiers who were stationed there who heard the sound of footsteps just like a troop marching at night. When they followed the sounds to check the posts, they would find a marching headless unit. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of um a lot of history with um our ghost stories. For sure. Especially the military ones. Yes. Okay, so this is another military ghost story. And I try to translate this as, like, it's a little bit complicated with regard to the locations of of wherever everything is, so Mm -hmm. stop me at any time if you need clarification. Okay. I was in the Army at the time, and although I only served for four months, I still encountered a lot of unexplainable things. One night at around 2 a.m., I heard the sound of an ambulance downstairs near the barracks, which drove away shortly after. When I got up in the morning to wash up, even though we were all in a rush, everyone gossiped about what happened the night before. I was in a new recruit training center at the time. First, let's talk about the layout of the building. We have two companies that shared one three-story building. The first floor is the activity room, and the second and third floors are barracks. There were two barracks, one on the left side and one on the right side of the floor. Stairs in the middle separated them. There were also stairs on either side of the floor. The corridor is a very, very long. After the ambulance that night, we noticed there was one less officer in the company. The officer was arrogant, and so no one liked to interact with him. Everyone was happy to not deal with him being around. Officers were assigned to different facilities for training for a few months, so nobody cared where he went. We completed our daily tasks while waiting for new recruit training to end. Finally, a few days before the end of boot camp, after all the daily tasks were completed, the officers and soldiers had some free time. So got to chatting. One of the officers spoke up. Do you guys know why Drill Sergeant A hasn't been back yet? Out of curiosity, we quieted down and listened to the squad leader recount that night. That's right, the ambulance that took A away was the one you guys heard that night. A was scheduled for guard duty at the security desk from midnight to 2 a.m. on the third floor. Before the end of his shift, A went to wake up the soldier that was to take over his shift. After doing so, he went back to the security desk and waited. The security desk is equipped with an old computer with nine security camera feeds. Each screen shows security camera footage from different parts of the floor. The cameras are located near all three staircases, one to the right of the security desk, and one directly behind the security desk. Because there were only five security cameras, the four other feeds were blank. According to A's report, he encountered something very strange that night. The feed from the security camera at the right corridor near the stairs showed a line of soldiers lining up from the second floor. What were they lining up for? To jump off the building. Oh. That's right. The soldiers were lining up to jump off the building. Hmm. People who served in the military know that the outside of every building had nets installed to prevent people from successfully completing suicide. At this point, A realized that there were likely ghosts, because if they were real people, it was impossible for them to fall without disturbing any of the nets. One of the soldiers in line noticed A was looking their way, and so walked towards A's desk. The soldier walked slowly and stopped to a stand behind A. A couldn't see the soldier with his naked eye, but saw that the security camera feed showed the soldier staring at A, (laughs) who was studying the security feed on the monitor. He knew that A noticed him. At this point, if you're A and you see an apparition standing behind you on your computer monitor, what would you do? In A's case, he chose to pretend nothing was wrong, all the while staring at the monitor not daring to look away waiting for the next soldier to relieve him of his duty. The apparition bent down, (laughs) peeked its head around A's shoulder, and looked up at A from the side. A said that he fainted right after he saw what was happening on the monitor. The soldier relieving A found him on the floor and called the ambulance. It is said that after the incident, A had a high fever that lasted a very long time. It didn't take long for him to be transferred to another unit after he graduated.
0: Damn. That would be... yeah. Many kinds of creepy. Can you
2: imagine just like looking at the computer monitor and you see somebody standing behind you and doing this?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can't see him with the naked eye, So you're just staring at the monitor.
0: If I were in uh, A's position, I feel like if you look behind it, there's no one there, but the monitor shows someone there. You just turn off that monitor and then you can just stop worrying about
2: it. I don't know. I'm If you're stuck there and I, the story doesn't, specify whether or not he could still see the other soldiers lining up mm-hmm. as well so like i don't know E yeah. is there anything else we need to cover
0: uh unless there's anything else uh taiwan related you'd like to mention while we are here
2: go to the zoo i guess i'm just like a walking tourist <laughs> like taiwan person i don't know <laughs> um Mountains are great because of the Japanese influence of Japanese colonialism. There are a million onsens that you can go. So you don't necessarily have to go all the way to Japan to um, go to an onsen. Onsen is a Japanese word for hot springs, so Japanese-style hot springs. And also, if anybody likes Spirited Away, the movie, that whole bathhouse, the building, is actually taken from a tea house in Taiwan.
0: I've seen photos. It's absolutely gorgeous. It looks so cool.
2: Yeah. It's all hills though. Yes. It's like, no, 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 thanks. It's like <laughs> Edinburgh, just all hills and all <laughs> stairs. So I was like, no, I'm okay. Just looking. It's there. I looked at it. It's time to go somewhere else.
0: <laughs> I feel you.
2: I don't know. Keep an eye out on the Taiwan situation. If you want to, it's uh, it's very, it's kind of complicated and contentious. Because we're in a gray area, we have our own parliaments, president, system of governance, currency, but nobody wants to recognize us because they don't want to piss off China. So yeah, we're in limbo. We'll see by the end of the year whether or not the country is still there, I guess. I don't That's <sighs> all that I could really think about right now. So.
0: Yeah. And then and Pelosi just popped by briefly. That was fun for her
2: yeah nobody wanted her to go there
0: no and I, I mean why would they
2: <laughs> the u.s government's like look we don't want you to go but if you go you don't represent us and then the taiwanese people are like why the fuck are you coming here you're not gonna help with anything you're not gonna fix anything she's problematic but you know yeah. not as problematic as <clears throat> some of the other people that's uh not gonna abandon the american uh political system right now
0: there's plenty to talk about yes there is but i suppose that's enough for one episode thanks so much for uh taking me on this brief little tour of taiwan that was great and for letting me uh go on the maiden voyage of your teleporter machine pretty cool now does this work to get back or is it a one-time use thing do we have a way
2: back it looks like right now we have to wait about 90 hours before it fully charges so we can get (laughs) back to at the very least um to vancouver so that you can take your flight home so yeah 100 hours how many days is
0: that uh at least several
2: we'll figure something out
0: and hopefully Wyatt figures out where he's supposed to meet me for next episode and uh yeah thank you all for listening uh thanks if you would like to you can rate and review the episode that's really helpful uh love when people do that um and you know spread the word as well Thanks again, Cece. Maybe we got 100 hours to okay, kill. Let's go get something to eat.
2: All oh, right, sweet. Can you like change out of those sweaty clothes though? Because I'm kind of embarrassed.
0: Yeah, let's find a place to change. That would be good.
2: Okay, cool. Neat. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. Okay, bye.
2: okay bye.